You're listening to the Dangerous Prayer Sermon Series at Sojourn Church J-Town. In this series, we see how God invites us to grow in Christ-likeness and step into His mission as we learn to pray. Search us, break us, unite us, and send us. So we're going to read Psalm 67. This is where we're going to be camping out uh, today. So hear the word of the Lord. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and may he make his face shine upon us, so that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy for your judge, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is the word of the Lord. And let's pray together. So Father, I just, um, I ask this often, but I, I do ask this for our body and for me that we would have a, a posture of open hands, Lord, that we would hear from you this morning, God. Please hear from you. May we not leave here, you know, thinking much about the whole of the service, but may we leave here praying this prayer. Send me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, so of the, the four prayers that we are... Um, we're working through, and I'm not trying to downplay or dismiss the other three, uh, search me, break me, we'll talk about unite us um, next week. I think this prayer, um, more so than any other, has a way of infusing meaning and significance and purpose in your life, no matter, no matter what season or where you find yourself in life. So you may be here and you're a middle school student, and you don't know what you're just trying to figure it out, keep your voice from cracking all the time, amen. Um, things are happening to your body, that's really weird. Um, you might be a high school student, a college student, you might be in your 20s or 30s. You might, no matter where you are in life, you might be here and you're retired or getting ready to retire. I think this prayer, um, if we will pray it, has a way of infusing meaning and purpose and significance in our lives. I did a, not I did, I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't do a birthday party. I went and celebrated and enjoyed uh, the birthday party of my niece. Uh, her name is Maeve. Uh, she's uh, five. It's my wife's brother's uh, daughter. She's as cute as a button. And one of the things I learned in, in girls' birthday parties is they, they're pretty quiet. They go and dress up, do all kinds of nice local things. And boys' birthday parties, man, you're just praying no one goes to the hospital. Amen? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm serious. I've literally prayed that prayer. I said, God, may we just keep people intact and get them back to their families without having anyone going to the hospital. So, that's just the, the drastic difference between girls and boys. Love them, but man, golly, totally different party. Um, but here's the thing that I've learned, and this wasn't necessarily a question that was asked to Maeve uh, during this, but you know, being there reminds you, there, there's, a, there's one question that we ask children that age all the time, right? And what is that question? You can probably say it out loud. Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? And so, you know, it's a uh, 
They're pretty high aspirations usually, you know. It's like, yeah, I want to be a scientist. I, I want to be an astronaut. I, I want to be an inventor. I want to be a, com- my, my kids wanted to be a comedian. I don't know why. That was the, the consistent voice when they were four or five. I want to be a comedian. They never want to be a pastor. They look at me and go, not, not that. No, I do not want that for my living. Uh, we, we need to work on that a little bit. But, um, but yeah, comedian, uh, you know, uh, a dancer, not, not my kids. I'm just saying in general, right? Uh, a, a chef, whatever, a singer. There's, there's, always these you know high aspirations of what it is that they want to be I've never uh, had a kid share this you know uh, what do I want to be when I grow up I want to be in middle management and live in a cubicle 40 50 hours a week and be pretty miserable right but if we look at our lives for some of us not maybe not all of us but for some of us this is kind of where we are Not something we aspire to be or to do, but here we are spending 40, 50 hours a week, not really sure what significance this has, and feels like I'm just kind of doing it to get a paycheck. I think um, this prayer doesn't necessarily mean you've got to change vocations. Because the reason why I think that kind of like picture of your vocation, even though that's maybe where a lot of you are, you don't like that because it just seems very forgettable, insignificant, sounds like it doesn't going to make any kind of impact on life. Being an astronaut, man, that sounds awesome. An inventor, wow, a big singer, you know, those things, that sounds like something really impactful. And what I want to say is that praying this prayer, send me, doesn't necessarily mean you got to change vocations, but I would say it has a way of infusing meaning and significance and purpose in whatever you're doing and no matter your age. I mean, look, look what this, what this psalm is saying here. And all I want to do just, just quickly here, spend a little time kind of working through this psalm and then, Lord willing, it, it kind of lands some application about what it looks like to send us or pray this prayer, send me. So, so look what, what this is. Remember, psalms are prayers, all right? So this is a, a prayer that we can pray. Psalms have a way of giving us vocabulary to our prayers here. And so uh, this, is a, this is a psalm of, of mission. You could even say this is a psalm of sending here. It really, really is. And so, so look what the psalmist is saying here starting in verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us. I mean, we, and we love this prayer, right? Amen. Like, why don't we start the year off with a four-week series on, on verse 1? Like, I'm, I'm praying that. Uh, I gathered with our staff and elders this past Wednesday, and we, we read through Psalm 90, and basically at the end of Psalm 90 is verse 1 of Psalm 67, when Psalm 90 verse 17 says this, Let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Yes, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Like, this is a prayer that I'm praying for 2020 for our church and for my life. And I'm sure it's a prayer that you, whether you've prayed or not, you've probably prayed some form of this, that you want God to be merciful to you, that you want God to be gracious to you, that you want God to bless your work, that you want God's favor. That's what what it means there when the psalmist says, make your face shine upon us. We want the favor of God. We want the gaze of God on us. Like, we desire this, and this is not 
wrong to desire. But the question you've got to ask yourself is why? Why do you want this? Why do you want the favor of God? Why do you want God to bless you? Why do you, why do you want God to be gracious to you? And I would say that the answer to that question, there's, there's one way of answering that question that will leave your life empty and wanting. And there's another answer to that question that I would say would leave your life full, satisfied, and content. Look what the psalmist says here in verse 2. This is why the psalmist wants God to be gracious to him and to bless him, to make his face shine upon him so that your way may be known on earth and your salvation among all the nations. So, God, we want you to be gracious to us. We want you to bless us. We want your gaze, your favor, your blessing to be upon us. Why is that? So that people would know the very goodness and beauty and the greatness of God. So that people would know across all nations, all peoples, would know of your power, of your significance, of your character. That's why, God, I want... I want your blessing on me so that others would know of how wonderful and great you are. And because this has been God's plan since, you know, since day one. This isn't like a little hiccup plan, like, oh, I got to figure out what I'm doing here. No, since day one, this is what God's been about. Genesis chapter 12, the call of Abraham, this, this insignificant person across the sea of humanity, God comes to him and says, look, I'm going I'm to bless you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shine my face upon you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your descendants the, the, the counting of the stars. Why? Why am I going to do that? Because through you, there will be a blessing to the nation. So Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your family, and it's not going to just stay with you. The reason why I'm doing that is so you'll be a blessing to this world. He goes on and, and Israel and this, this insignificant puny little nation God chooses. And he blesses them. His, his favor is upon them. They become one of the most powerful nations in the world. And why is that? So that the nation of Israel would also be a light to the world. That's why he's blessing them. That's why his favor is upon them. And that's what he does with us. God's grace and mercy and kindness comes to you so that it will, as Scotty Smith said, go through you. God's blessing upon you is so that you will be a blessing to others. I mean, I don't know, guys. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm off here, but I'm just throwing out a suggestion that you can kind of ponder and think about that maybe, maybe the reason why there's so much discontent in our lives, maybe the reason why we, we find ourselves often frustrated Empty, restless, bored, unhappy. Even though, even though if we would not look at an episode in our life, because I get it, some of us may be a season where we feel like it's barren, right? But if we would look at the whole of our life, we would all say in agreement that God has been gracious, He has been kind, and He has blessed us. I mean, I mean, goodness, we don't even have to say that within this room. We can say it, you know, culture at large. I mean, just imagine this. I, I heard this from somebody I listened to or read somewhere, so 
someone else. I didn't make this up. But, but just think about it. If you, if somehow you could be transported 100 years back to 1920, and you went to a normal individual and said, guess what, man? In 2020, we've got this device that you can hold in your hands. And you have access to all information worldwide. You can make a phone call to someone in China and you can have a conversation with them. You can actually text something and they will get it over in Indonesia. It's absolutely amazing. Guess what? You don't have to wash dishes anymore. I mean, they would think we have reached utopia. Things must be amazing in 2020. But we live in a day and a time when suicide rate is the highest that it ever has been. Because I'm just throwing out one observation or one suggestion here that may be the reason why we feel this discontent, restlessness, boredom, unhappiness is that we've lost the vision of why God blesses you and why he shines his favor upon you not so that you can keep, but so that you can enjoy and be a blessing to others. So why? Why, why, is, this, why is this the prayer of the psalmist? Like what, he's praying, God bless me. May your mercy come upon me. May your favor. Why? Why is that? Because I want the nations to know you. I want you to bless me so I can go and bless the nations with the knowledge of who you are. But why, why know God then? Why not someone else or another being? Why, why does the psalmist long for the nations to know God? Well, look, look what's repeated here. There's, there's, there's probably a larger list than this, but I'm just highlighting two things here in verses three through five because it's what's repeated. You gotta remember when, in, you know, when this was written in Hebrew, they didn't have like, you know, they had different ways of emphasizing something. So if we wanna, you know, when we, when we send out a text to someone, we're emojiing it all to pieces, right? If we want to emphasize something, like, okay, maybe that's not you. I, I do, you know, explanation point or big smiley face or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But in this time, if they want to emphasize something, they repeated it. And notice what's repeated here in verses 3 through 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you let the nations rejoice and shout for joy for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on the earth let let the peoples praise you god let all the peoples praise you so so what is repeated why god i want you to bless me so the nations would know god why god well first because of worship i mean it's repeated twice here in verse three and verse five and implied in verse four let the people's praise you worship adore you let all the peoples praise worship adore let the nations rejoice shout for joy celebrate you god verse five let the peoples praise you god let all the peoples praise you why god because of of worship one author says this mission exists because worship does not and i want to say yes that is true but i want to nuance it a little bit I would say worship does exist. <laughs> no one has to teach you how to adore something. 
No one has to teach you how to pray. We, we come into this world as worshiping people. Like, it comes instinctively for us. And if you don't believe that, then watch football today, amen? You know, spend a couple hours watching, I forget who's playing today. Somebody's playing, a couple teams, all right? You've got 80,000 people that are adoring, praising, celebrating, you know, going the highs and lows of a game, amen? I mean, I went to a UK basketball game uh, yesterday with my oldest son. Had a fantastic time, 20 plus thousand people that are yelling for the cats. And guess what? I'm one of them, right? I'm celebrating. I'm clapping. I'm adoring in some ways the University of Kentucky basketball team. And you got your own adoring happening. So don't look at me with judgment eyes. Amen? But here's the thing. I would, I would put before us that there's nothing wrong with that. Where is it in the order of your life, though? You see... Missions exist because worship is disordered. We're not worshiping what is worthy of our worship. We're not giving praise what is worthy of our praise. That's why we are a humanity that's always empty and discontent because we're trying to make something ultimate that was never created to hold that place in your life. And so why... Why does the psalmist say, bless me, I want the nations to know God? Because I want their worship to bring about healing in the deepest part of their being. And there's only one that can do that, and that is the worship of God. I mean, that's what C.S. Lewis is getting after in his little book on reflections on the psalms. He says this, and I got a quote here in just a second, but I was want to read this real fast. So what do we mean when we say this picture or a piece of music or a book is admirable? What do we mean by that? Well, we mean that people ought to admire those things, and if they don't, they will lose out and miss something wonderful. Are you following what he's saying here? So, I mean, if you go and, I don't know, on the fly here. Uh, go to a restaurant. I don't know what your favorite restaurant is. Uh, I've got a handful. Uh, we went to uh, Taco Luchadoro here a few weeks ago. Um, we went, oh, I know what place we went to. Okay, hang on a second. Sorry, this is not in here. Hang with me. Um, uh, gosh, uh, guacamole. Anybody been there yet? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, like two people. You guys need to go there. It's really good. It's really, yeah, really good. Very, very good. The same guy that owns... Uh, Havana Ramba, right? Okay, maybe I'm a little off. I think got some people shaking their heads there. So, man, fantastic meal, right? So whenever you have a fantastic meal, what do you instinctively do? You're going to go tell somebody about it because it's enjoyable. It's admirable. This is a great meal. You mixed all this stuff together, presented it amazingly, and then I put it in my mouth, and oh, my gosh, my taste buds are exploding. And so I've got to go complete the praise by going telling someone about it because if they don't go, they're going to miss out. And that's what the psalmist is after. I want you to adore God. I want you to worship God because if you don't, you're going to miss out. C.S. Lewis goes on. Here's the quote that's on the screen here. If God is the great object of admiration behind all other beauties and magnificence, then to praise and admire him would be simply to be awake. To have entered the real world 
not doing so would be to become far more profoundly crippled than those who are blind, deaf, and bedridden. This is why we praise God. This is why we worship. This is why the psalmist praises, prays that the nations would praise God, that God would bless him. I want the nations to know so they will worship you or they will live in unreality and poverty. As Augustine says in his book, Confessions, wherever the soul of man turns or wherever the soul of humanity turns, unless towards God, it cleaves to sorrow. Can you just sit with that for a second? Wherever the soul of man turns, unless it towards God, it will cleave to sorrow, even though the things outside of God and outside of itself to which it cleaves may be things of beauty. So look, God's mission doesn't necessarily, it doesn't exist to, to recruit people to your brand of religion. That's what I feel or I kind of hear uh, oh, you're a Muslim? Okay, you're good. Uh, oh, you, you're a Mormon? Okay, okay, fine. Yeah, you know, well, you know, here's Christianity. Oh, oh, you're a Hindu? Oh, okay. Oh, you're kind of agnostic. You're new age? Like, okay, it's fine, but here's kind of my... my no, it's not recruiting people to a brand of religion. <laughs> By God's grace, we're trying to open people's eyes to what is real. And what is real is the joyful reign of of Jesus and he deserves all our adoration and worship as one author says mission is a liberation project from the heavy burdens and hard yokes of other gods that's what the psalmist is praying for and why he wants God to bless him so it's not an issue of worship but also there's an issue of joy here do you see that in verse 4? Look at it. Let the nations say it out loud. It's underlined, so we have to do that. Amen? <laughs> so if you're new here, everything's underlined. We've got to speak it out loud. Uh, let the nations what? Rejoice. In some translations, and I even like this translation a little bit better, it says let the nations be glad. I mean, that, I mean, that gives you a whole different picture, doesn't it? Let the nations be glad. And what else? Shout for joy. So look, yes, I, I get it that, that worship, adoration, and praise, and joy kind of go hand in hand. They're all, they're all intertwined. You don't, you don't praise something that you don't enjoy, right? I'm not, I, you know, I don't enjoy soccer. Maybe you love soccer, but I'm not going to a soccer. I, don't, I might go when they get a little city, that stadium done, but I'm not, you know, watching TV, yelling at the screen like I am when I'm watching UK basketball because I just don't enjoy it, right? You, I think you make the connections. Whatever we enjoy, we praise. Whatever we praise, we enjoy. And I just, even though they're inter intertwined, I just want to separate them just for a minute here because I do think it's something that we have a tendency to overlook. God's vision and goal for all of humanity is the gladness of his people. So the greatest news, as one pastor says, in all of the world is that God's ultimate aim, which is to be glorified above all things, that he would be adored and worshipped, 
and humanity's aim to be satisfied, happy, joyful, and content are not at odds. And I know I'm a little amped up about this. I just want to hear an amen about that, right? Isn't it good news to know that my desire for joy is not going against God's desire for joy in me? Like he is for my joy. So like this idea that Christianity is like, you know, the joy killer is a lie from hell. I'm here to tell you, if you want to maximize your joy, give your life to Jesus. If you want to keep your joy at sort of a five, you know, ah, let's keep it there. Go ahead. But God has sent his son Jesus to come into this world because his vision is the gladness of his people. Man, if you want a, a great little book that kind of unpacks this in a very, I think, nuanced, healthy way, Joe Rigney's book called The Things of the Earth is a great book here. And I'm just going to read a little quote in there. It fires me up when I read that book. I kind of skimmed through it today. Or not today. That was been, that'd been really, really quick, right? It's like I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, skimmed through a whole book. No, it's kind of like over the course of the week. All right. But I, I love what he says here, right? God is for your joy and your family, your joy and your friends, your joy and your pancakes and eggs. Your steak and potatoes, your chips and salsa. Amen. Amen. I mean, I, back in the day, I used to, when Kathy and I were dating, because we didn't have much money. We still don't have much money, but back then we were really, really poor. We used to go to Chi-Chi's, and we'd get chips and salsa and the fried ice cream. That's all we got. You know what I'm saying? And I usually felt bad about that because the chips and salsa were free. So, but we gave a good tip, man. But love that place. I hate that. Well, you know, yeah, that was moving on. God is for your joy and your camping trips, workouts, your playlist, playlist on Spotify. God is for your joy in the Bible and worship services and the quiet moments before you fall asleep. God is for your joy in your job, your hobbies, and your daily routine. And God himself who delivered you from sin and death through the work of his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit that you might enjoy him and them. His gifts and him in them, his gifts forever and ever and ever. So just like worship, just like worship, it's not that we need to go around and teach people how to, how to worship. They got it. It's just their worship is disordered. Same way here. People may be joyful and happy, but I would argue their joy and happy is misplaced. It's, it's, it's not where it needs to be. And that may satisfy for a moment, but it will not satisfy for eternity. But God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have the power to find a joy in him and enjoy his gifts without making them a little idol. The problem is, as C.S. Lewis says, we are far too easily pleased this is what he says in a quote. We are half-hearted creatures. And this is convicting to me, guys. Fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So the oh, psalmist just said, hey, God bless me. 
God, may your favor shine on me. Why? Because I want the nations to know you. I want the nations to know your goodness, your kindness, your power, your strength. I want the nations to know God. Why? Why do you want the nations to know God? Because if not, their worship is going to be really disordered and out of whack and it'll never bring the kind of inner healing that you need. Because their joy will be found in things that will fade and go away and they're going to be left empty. No, I want their worship to bring healing. You know why the Bible commands us over and over in the Psalms to sing? You know why we sing here on Sundays? It isn't a filler. <laughs> it's like, oh, we got to sing so we can get loud up there. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. No, there is the command to sing is doing something in us. No matter what's going on in that moment, whether we like the song or don't like the song, it doesn't matter. The command to sing, not just to anything. You know, we're not generic. We're not just kind of general to sing to love. That does nothing. We sing to the one that is worthy of our praise. And when we sing to the one that is worthy of our praise, God himself, it does something in us, guys. It heals us. It, it, it forms us. It shapes us. It brings health to us. And so I'm just, like, this is not like smack in the face, make you feel guilty, but I'm just trying to offer something to you. If you stand there and you don't sing, you're missing out. I see that with a lot of men, and I'm one of them. I don't know if you think we're too kind of cool to sing or we're really bad or what it is. I'm just saying, gosh, God wants to do something in your soul every time you come here. That's why he commands you to sing. It's not because, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm a middle schooler up there. Please praise me, praise me, praise me. No, his command for you to worship and praise him through song is so that healing can happen deep in your soul. Kind of lost my thought there because I have no idea where I was before that. It was like an extra thing there. I think the second thing was just talking about joy and why God or this psalmist wants God to bless him. Let me just end by reading these last two verses, which is kind of basically a, a repeat of verses one and two. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. So, um, the question I just want to kind of land with is this, is then, then how? How does this happen? I mean, verse 7 tells us it's going to. I mean, there's not like a wishful thinking there. It's all the ends of the earth will fear him. This, this prayer will be answered. God will see to it that this prayer will be answered. Read the book of Revelation. We have the end. This is where this is all going. And in the book of Revelation, we see that from every tribe, tongue, people, and nations are surrounding the throne of Jesus, giving adoration and worship to him. This is going to happen. This is the 
the grand narrative, the grand story that God has been writing for thousands of years, and it has an end, and this is how it's going to end. All the earth will worship and adore and fear God. Every tongue will bow down and worship King Jesus. This is where it's going, but how? How is this going to happen? We go. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go into all the nations. That's how it happens. He, yeah, he could figure out a different way to do it. I mean, Jesus said he could raise up some rocks. That'll go, Jesus, right? I'm saying like, give him a mouth for a second. I mean, he could. I mean, he made a donkey speak. I mean, he could, he could do whatever he wants to, but he's invited you to be a part of the greatest movement of history, to, to infuse significance and purpose in your little meaningless job from an earthly perspective, right? Amen, right? It's like, come on, I'm not trying to, you know, it, it is sometimes. Man, sometimes my job, I feel like it's absolutely meaningless. Like, what am I doing? Me and Ellen had this conversation this week. It's like, we come in here, we get ready for Sunday, and it feels like, oh, God's okay, and then we got to go do it all over again. Like, what in the world, right? I mean, just, that's just flesh speaking there. But follow me. Hear what I'm saying here, guys. Look, God sends us out. This is how this gets done. And it's an invitation for us, not an obligation, but an invitation from God for us to be a part of his grand story that he's writing. Yes, you can still live your little story. You know, you can go your 70, 80 years and ignore this massive story that God is writing. But listen to me. In 10, 15 years after you die, you'll be forgotten. And God is going, I'm inviting you to be a part of something bigger than you so that you can have an impact, an eternal impact on one person. And maybe that one person is in your family. Maybe that one person is sitting in the office cubicle next to you and you guys are doing your deal with the cubicle, right? Look, as this is, this is embedded in our mission. It's been since day one. We are here to reach people with the gospel. We're here to build them, disciple them, form them to be the church, and then we're here to send them out. That's why we exist. That's why, I know, man, I know it gets kind of weird sometimes, but that's why we do a benediction. That weird time where people don't know what to do with their hands. It's the right, the left, down here like this, or in my pocket, right? I don't like, some of you may think, oh, that's the cool thing. No, it's not this cool thing. They've been doing this for thousands of years. And all we're trying to do within our, our, our gathering, because we convictionally believe that form, what you do weekly is formative. And so, so we, we're intentional with our service. We're not just like, no, Ellie and I don't get together on Tuesday and go, hey, what songs you want to play this week? Oh, that sounds great. Let's do a little ditty, and you get me up there. Everybody else all hype, or maybe they're crying, and I'll step in and land the plan. That's not, not what we're doing. We're, we've got to hold the service as we remind ourselves of the gospel. And every week we do this benediction. Why? What do we say? Raise your hand. We're going to, what, what, what do we say? Send you out. It's a blessing for the road. And why do you get blessed? What does psalmist say? So you can be a blessing to others. So look at me, guys, look. You don't roll in here every week to get your fill. And that's some of your mindsets. 
I got to come in here Sunday to get my feel so I can make it throughout the week. It's not just about you making it throughout the week. It's about your neighbor making it throughout the week. So you, you, you come here and you're blessed by the singing of the word, the preaching of the word of God. God does something in you to continue to transform your presence so you walk out of here with a benediction, a blessing, so you can be a blessing to your family. The greatest gift you can give your children is your transformed, transforming presence. And part of that happens right here in this midst. So you can go and be a blessing to your co-workers, to your neighbors, to your whoever. I mean, I could go through the whole list, but I think you know what I'm talking about. This isn't some kind of like guilt, you know, conviction, going there and pass out a bunch of tracts or tell everybody they're going to hell, you know, come and find out how you can escape hell. No, this is about their joy. This is about people adoring and worshiping something that's going to give them life. And he's inviting you. He's sending you out. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, gifted by the Holy Spirit, to be a carrier of the name of Jesus at Ford. To be a carrier of the name of Jesus at GE, at Brown and Foreman, at Mel High School. This is a beautiful invitation. And has a way of infusing significance and meaning and purpose in your life. So a lot when we pray send me, send me when am I what am I praying? Two things here real quickly. Well, maybe three. One, I would encourage you to pray the psalm. If you want some language to this prayer, send me, then take Psalm 67 and pray it. And then allow God to bring nations and specific people on your mind. But for some of us, the prayer may start with break me. We have to kind of go back, right? For some of us, and maybe most of us in this room, including myself, break me in my indifference to the need of my neighbor and my coworker. Break me in my apathy. We're really comfortable here, not just in our church, but culture at large. Urgency is not there. Break me of my unconcern. Break me of my lack of love. Break me of fear. Man, I know this is a, a big thing for me. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? If they find out I'm a pastor, they stop talking. They start acting weird. Man, the same wrestling as you guys have, I also wrestle. Just because you see me up here and think, oh man, he must be really out there. Same fears that dominate you dominate me also. I care about what people think way too much. Some of us need to break, ask God to break us of our kind of like, and I want to come back to this eventually sometime this year. Just kind of do it yourself spirituality, where we kind of grab a hold of a belief. 
And then we go to this gift of the internet and we can find people that affirm that belief. And be really careful with believing what you want to believe. And somehow in this whole message of mission, we want to believe that, hey, it's going to all work out. Everybody's going to get in. Yeah, it's all going to work out according to what God wants, right? But the means by which he's going to do that is through you. And the need of humanity is that they know Jesus. And he's going to send you out to do that. So break me, maybe, a part of this prayer. The second is this, is that what does this prayer look like out loud when we say send me? Well, I think the second part may be, God, help me to let go of the reins of my life. Yes, I believe salvation is, is a moment. There's a moment in time. We may remember it, we may not. That's unrelated, I think. I make that argument in the New Testament. But there's a moment in time when God saves you. And you, you know it, man. But I also think it's a process. Yes, he is Savior and Lord, but I'm here to tell you, day one, that ain't happening 100%, amen? And even 30 years later, it, it's not happening 100%. It's a process of continually giving over the reins of your life. And so it is with this prayer. It's where you're laying everything on the table and saying, God, I am yours however you want to use me, whatever you want to do through me, wherever you want to send me, whoever you want to send me to. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. No matter what the cost is, I'm in. In essence, you're just laying a blank check. God, you are Lord. You are the king of my life. I want to release the reins off of my life because the safest place to be is not when I'm trying to care for myself, but when I submit to the Father's care. That's the safest place for you to be. And you pray this knowing you're going to possibly, God might send you across the ocean like you did Aaron. He might send your children across the ocean, your grandchildren. He might send you to St. Louis to help start a new church with the Wilsons called Storyline Church. Because we have a, we have a beautiful opportunity in the life of our church to send one of our own to go start a new work. And I know, man, in nine years, I didn't, I didn't do the numbers here, but we've sent a lot of people out from our midst. But this one's going to hurt. Not that those didn't hurt, but this one has a little next level kind of hurt and pain. And we have a vision that we would have about 30 people up here in June who are, who are doing this with their life. So I don't know how this is all going to work out. I ain't sure if I'm going to get a job. I don't know what's going on, but I know God's called me to go and be a part of of this work we got four <laughs> but it's just january amen right and just like sojourn fashion we always kind of wait to the last minute right we roll into church about 11 15 11 o'clock there's like five people in here right but we're praying to god we'll raise up 26 more people He may send you across the street to begin a relationship with your neighbor. He may send you across the office to enter into your coworker's life. Send me, God. Send me.
So I'll end with this. Uh, this is Acts 20, verses 22 to 24, where Paul is, is praying and, and saying his goodbyes to the elders in Ephesus. And it, it, it's a heart of what I want for me, and it's a heart that I want for us. Listen to what he says here, and this is where we'll end. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains, afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. That's where we want to be. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And in our own strength, this is absolutely impossible, but by God's grace, we can make one small step into that. Not a giant leap, one small step. And maybe that's as simple as just, God, okay, I'm just going to have my hands open and I'm going to pray you send me. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to spend a little bit of time where we just, on our own, just pray. Whatever God leads to pray, maybe he's going to say, break me, and you're going to specifically say what it is. Maybe he's giving you a name. And maybe he's put something in your mind where it's really causing some wrestling in you. I'm just going to encourage us to spend some time praying about whatever the Spirit is bringing to our heart and mind. So let's pray. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash jtown.